Welcome back to the Slutrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host. Today's episode is a story time about a story in my life that I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget. <laughs> oh man, just thinking about it in whole, the reminiscing of the past. Good stuff. Yeah, so back then it was 2011 and I was still in high school and this event that happened in my life some would think it was traumatizing but it actually catapulted into my success i never thought that bad shit could turn into like good shit so well and whenever i tell my story or i think about any life lessons that have impacted me to the fullest i always think of my dui i I'm so grateful for it. I'm so thankful for it. And I honestly wouldn't change a thing about the way it happened. And I hope this story makes you think about a situation differently in your life because we can't really see the storm when we're right in the middle of it. And it's until it passes that we grow and we realize so much, like realizing things. (laughs) So I want to paint a picture of who I was when I was 17. I was at a Christian high school. Each grade had like 30 people in a class. So if you can imagine, there wasn't that many people. Everyone knew each other. It was very small. And I was kind of the new kid when I came since I got transferred there for getting in trouble. That's another story. Um, I didn't really want to talk to anyone. I just kept to myself. I had friends outside of school and I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily super religious at the time. Like the school wanted you to be like, you had to take a religious course, all this stuff. And there were all these activities after class and like you'd have chapel and all this crazy stuff. (sighs) Excuse me. And I just didn't fit in. You know, I had big tits. I wore very bright clothes and people just assumed I was a slut. And I just knew that, you know, the teachers thought it, you know, I remember coming in, you could like bring a friend to school some days, which was really strange. And I brought one of my friends one time and yeah, like we smoked cigarettes then. And we, we came into class one day and my history teacher was like, Ooh, Anna, is this your probation officer? Like always just making snarky comments that didn't really make me feel that well. And not to mention, y'all, I made straight A's. Like your girl had a 4.0. So it was, I always had this feeling like I could get away with anything if I just continued to get good grades. And it kind of did work that way. I also had these deep rooted feelings of wanting to fuck up and mess up. Like anything I could do that was bad, I wanted to do it before I was 18 because I knew once I turned 18, you could really get in trouble for it and it could affect your life. And I was like, I will play the I'm still a kid card as long as I can. So, yeah, that that was me in high school. Not to mention, um, you know, by the time I was 17, that was what the year before, um, was that like a sophomore or uh, not a senior, the one right before? I don't even remember what they're called. But 
I was taking classes in between summers. I was packing my schedule full with as many classes so that I could graduate early. It was a really interesting school. It was like classes were 8 a.m. to noon, so we didn't really have lunch. And I just had too much freedom. I had a bright orange Mitsubishi Eclipse with shaved door handles, subs in the trunk. I thought I was something. (laughs) At one point, I think around 16 years old, I was definitely smoking a lot of pot and selling it to my friends, you know, natural born hustler. And I was kind of doing that on the side. So I had, you know, money for myself. I had a car. I really could do whatever I wanted. I was working three jobs. I worked at Smoothie King. I worked at the tanning salon. And I also taught competitive dance classes. So I could really say that I had work and could go get high or go party. And I was just living my dream. It was, you know, I didn't have bills to pay. And it was it was a really fun time. There was still a lot of weird shit that happened. But That's just to kind of, excuse me, set the tone of who I was then. So, you know, we only had classes Monday to Thursday, so I had a long weekend and all my friends were older. So once Thursday came along, it was like time to party. I could drive to Lake Norman and party with those friends or down to Matthews and hang out with them. And there were a few girls that I was pretty close with that loved to party as much as I did. And... We'd get into all the clubs for free because we was looking all cute, and we um there was this one club called Halo, and I know it's shut down now. The owner, I think his name was Frankie. All I remember is that he was a Gemini, and when the first time I met him, he asked my sign, and I thought it was weird, but I told him I was Scorpio, and he was like, I never get along with Scorpios, and I'm like, that's one way to start a friendship. But he would give us free drinking little coins every time we came to the club just to make sure we were having a good time. And it was not his fault. He did not know I was underage. I had a fake ID. You know, maybe if you saw a picture of me, you might think I looked questionable. But I definitely had an aura about me where I projected myself as an adult. And I've always had an old soul. I could always sit down and talk to people two or three times my age and connect with them way more than someone my age or younger than me. All right, I'm talking too fast. I need to breathe. (sighs) I get so um, excited or enthusiastic. I don't know what it is. Anyways, it's one of those nights. I think it was a Wednesday night. I mean, I would literally go out and club and then go to class the next day. Like, it was no thing. Like, <laughs> I don't like if you're listening, if you did that or do that too, like, props to you. And if you kept a 4.0, it was a lot. Um, and I felt, I felt like I had a free pass to do so because I was pleasing my parents. I was getting a grade. So if I wanted to have some fun, I wasn't going to feel bad about it. So this was the night. Pretty sure it was a Wednesday. It was around March. (laughs) And we go in and we start with Long Island iced teas. And at the time, I just thought they tasted really good. I didn't know they had like seven different types of alcohol in them, which probably got me so crunk. And we had at least four or five of them. 
and it was getting towards the end of the night and me and my girlfriend were just having a good old time. We walk to the parking lot to get in my car and, you know, we always drove drunk around then. We just, we thought we were invincible, just how most people are before they get a DUI. And we got in the car and the cops were already in the parking lot. I probably started the car and moved two inches before I saw the lights behind me. And of course, there was so much paraphernalia in the car. Who knows what was in there? And I was in such a haze, like nothing bad can happen to me. Like I'll talk myself out of this. Like nothing will go wrong. So my friend next to me is like, everything's going to be fine. Uh, what did she say? She said, you need to stall as much as you can in case they breathalyze you to make sure all the alcohol's out of your system. And I really believed her. So one way or another, they start doing all these tests, like they make me walk in a straight line. And I'm a dancer. I can walk in a straight line, drunk or not, and make it look fabulous. So I do all that. They still end up wanting to breathalyze me. And it was not good. It was very downhill from there. Um, it became a massive blur because I got in the back of the cop car and I just started throwing a tantrum. I don't know if I was having a panic attack or if, who knows what I was thinking, but I start taking off all of my clothes. <laughs> like, literally just start freaking the fuck out, thinking they can't take me to jail if I'm naked. <laughs> like, that was my superpower at the time. So I'm taking off all my clothes, and they think I'm having a psychotic breakdown, and they call a fire truck to come and evaluate me or something. Who knows? But nothing worked, and nothing was helping. They processed me, ended up going to jail, and I still in my head was like, I cannot be here. I'm 17 years old. I am not an adult. I cannot be in jail. I like when they were processing me, I was crying to the officer. I was like, I go to a Christian school. Like they're going to kick me out. My life is over. And he was being really sympathetic, but you know, your girl was getting booked and they put me in this room. I wasn't in a cell. I was basically waiting in a room with a bunch of chairs and I was waiting to speak to a magistrate. And I know I'm saying that this wrong because when I was drunk, I kept saying, I need to speak to her majesty. You know, that was all, the only information that I was getting is that I could get bailed out once I spoke to this imaginary fairy lady. So I am sitting in the chair anxious I don't know where my car is. I don't know where my friends went. I really did think my life was over. Um, and I asked to use the bathroom. And I think, <laughs> this is drunk me thinking, maybe if I make it look like I'm attempting suicide, they will put me somewhere special. And I went to just throw it out there. Um, I am not trying to be insensitive towards suicide. Um, if you have thoughts or anything like that, please call someone. There are numbers. Um, but this was, this is just a story and I don't want anyone to think I'm making fun of, uh, mental health at all because I deal with my share of mental health. But at that time as a 17 year old, I go into the bathroom and I put my head in the toilet and I was not 
trying to kill myself. I think I was just trying to draw attention to myself the more I kind of wonder what I was doing. So they they didn't put me anywhere special, but they did take me to get my mug shot taken and my hair is soaking wet. <laughs> so that's why my hair is soaking wet. Um, it's still really embarrassing to share that part of the story. But it was around 3 or 4 a.m. that I got booked and... um. Of course, I called my mother, and of course, she came to bail me out, but there was a f- maybe four or six hours that I had to wait in there where I just wasn't sure what was going to happen to me, and I did have to talk to the magistrate, and I think I was on my best behavior in there. So I'm talking to my mom on the phone, and she's telling me, like, she doesn't know how she can communicate with me. She's basically just going to come there and that they'll release me when everything goes through. And she did get like an eye surgery or something the day before. So her boyfriend actually had to drive her. This was definitely when the sun was coming up. He had to drive her to the jail to come bail me out, but I had never met him. (laughs) And he is, um, quite a bit younger than my mom, which is totally cool, but I just didn't want to meet under these circumstances, but, you know, (laughs) that's how life happens. So, I finally get back into my club dress, (laughs) pick up my things, grab my car keys, and they release me, and my mom's, like, walking towards me, and she has these giant goggles on. (laughs) to protect her eyes and her man's with her, uh, her boyfriend at the time. And he had um, a bag of cookies and a banana. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, nice to meet you. Um, This is an everyday thing for me. Like, you know, uh, I'm just a rebellious child. Uh, But then we had to go find my car. Uh, So we went on a little... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> little road trip. We went on a little scavenger hunt to try to find my car. It was at the closest gas station uh, to the club. I'm not sure how it got there because I definitely got arrested at the club. I don't, maybe my friend had driven it there and dropped it off. But I was just so happy to see her because I, I felt like I lost my car, you know, my most prized possession, the only thing in my life I had put every penny of mine into. So I give my mom a hug. I promise her I'm just going to drive straight home. And she, wow, she trusted me. I give her so much credit. She just blindly believed and loved and had so much faith in me. And I just took advantage of that as a kid. Uh, So that's kind of hard to think about. But I got into my car. I opened my little middle console And there is a bowl in there, a pack of cigarettes, and I just crank up my music, spark the bowl up, light a cig, and drive home with all my windows down. And I was like, just, (sighs) it felt like everything was in slow motion the night before, and then it just was over. And then the storm kept going. Uh... I went to school a week later and they called me in the office, no, the principal's office, and the principal had this newspaper in front of her 
and just handed it over to me as I was sitting in front of her. And it was this, like, local paper called The Slammer where they put <laughs> together, like, mug shots, like, the best and the worst mug shots. It's this hilarious thing. But my wet-haired self was on the fucking front page of The Slammer and... I was just as shocked as she was, and she pretty much asked me to explain myself, and <sighs> I don't, I really don't remember what I said. I probably started crying, because that's always um, a nice card to pull <laughs> when you're in the presence of authority. You know, I had always felt control of everything, and now I wasn't in control. And before this all happened, I was about to go on a missions trip with my class to Nicaragua, like a a school missions trip and it was already paid for. I had my flight, I had my passport. And the first thing she said was like, you're not going. And that pretty much implied that my, my mom like wouldn't be refunded for all the, all the down payments and stuff that was paid for. So she like in the aftermath of that, she was really upset about that because it was a lot of money. And my mom was a single mom working three jobs. And I hated that I, I ruined that experience because I've still never traveled overseas and something I wish I got to do, but it is what it is. Um, so I was like, oh man, you know, I was, I was kind of bummed. And then she told me I wasn't going to walk at graduation. And like, I still get choked up about it because I didn't go to prom. I didn't get asked to go to prom. I didn't get to walk at my graduation. Like, I didn't get to do a lot of things that normal kids didn't do. And fast forward, you know, I didn't go to college. So when I see my friends and people doing all these things that you're supposed to do and that are supposed to happen, I know that I made a choice and fucked it up for myself. And I didn't get to do that. And I got my diploma and my cap and gown, like, sent to me in the mail. And it's fine. You know, there are always, there's a cause and an effect. You know, there's a reaction to an action. And I take responsibility for what I did. But before you're 21, you know, your brain is underdeveloped. Your decision maker isn't fully, fully functioning yet. So as a 17 year old who was given free drinking tickets her decision maker just wasn't working correctly and there weren't any adults around looking after her saying, hey, you know, this was a mistake. Give her a second chance. And the Christian school I went to determined that I was so sinful that I couldn't graduate with all of my friends, that I was so sinful that I couldn't even come back to school, that no one could see me. They had to hide me. And that was really hard. Um, sorry, I didn't think I'd get so emotional about it, but like walking through that situation was really hard. So if you did get to walk you know, don't take that stuff for granted. Don't take those memories for granted. But that's not what this podcast is about. You know, this thing kept going. And I was in a position where I did, I had my license taken away from me. I still had my car, but I couldn't drive. I needed money to pay for all this stuff. 
my mom. Let me call her later. Um, God, I need tissue. So I was money hungry and I was frustrated. My friend, she could still drive my car and she didn't have a car. So it actually worked out perfectly. You know, I had the car and she could drive it so we could still get from point A to point B. And now I had even more free time because I wasn't going to class. So trust me, still had my four, my 4.0, but we started going to more parties and I had a friend at the time, or we had a friend that was a dancer and I'm going to save some more of my dancer stories for another time, but I did want to ex- explain the transition from DUI to dancer because once we had a friend kind of showing us all the money she was making and how glamorous it was, it was, of course, intriguing. And I myself, I have a dancer background. I love wearing cute clothes. I had a bunch of free time. I wanted to make money. And this friend of ours was kind of paving the way like, oh, come check out my club. I'll get you guys in. I'll make you comfortable. And most dancers have a much more intimidating experience, especially going alone. So going to this club with all my girlfriends, it was like a level up from the parties we were already going to because now we were getting paid to party And we could even drink at these clubs and the owners even, they know you're underage and they still let you drink. And it's not like that at every club, but that's how it was at the Crazy Horse. (laughs) So, um, I still have the, is it called a T-bar? It's it's like a G-string. I still have the thong, uh, that my... (laughs) stripper friend gave me she was like here this is all you need and we would just request our favorite music from the dj um the first night you dance or if you bring a friend they usually comp your house fee and the house fee is what you pay um in order to work that night it's different for every club sometimes you have to tip out people who work there and whatnot so that was all happening behind the scenes before I had even graduated. Now, all the while we were getting this introduction to the club atmosphere, I was also, as usual, having another side hustle. And I decided to get back into eBay. So I knew how eBay worked. And now I had more money to like thrift shop and buy costumes. And I wanted to sell some old stuff. So aside from this new lifestyle, I was also selling stuff on eBay. And I was making upwards to like $100 a day because I had all the time to list items and hustle. And it was very rewarding. Once you see what you can do as far as like selling something online and the return you'll get, it's very motivating. If you can scale it, you're obviously going to continue to do that. So between this new lifestyle with my friends and the dancing. I was also kind of planting seeds of a brand that I never knew would blossom for the years to come. So fast forward years and years and years later, when people ask how my brand started, I think of the online retail process that started at that time. Had I not gotten my DUI, maybe I wouldn't have started selling stuff on eBay. Maybe I wouldn't have learned how to hustle at the strip club. You know, 
everything happens. I don't want to say everything happens for a reason, but we said this in the in the last episode's podcast, the universe kind of gives you all the tools and it's really a matter of how, if you're seeing it, if your eyes are open. Now, it wasn't all peachy, you know, there were some dark times and I definitely wasn't around the right people. I definitely wasn't being looked out for. Thank God I have my wits about me. Thank God nothing happened. I mean, you hear about what happens to sex workers. It's it's catastrophic. It's a problem. You know, there were there's no safety for the employees at the club, the females. There's a lot of predators that come in there. Whew, it's a lot. And being not even of age to, like, smoke a cigarette, I was in there making thousands and thousands of dollars. Money I didn't know what to do with. Money to just get me into more trouble. <laughs> but... Thank goodness I had a a hustler mentality and knew I needed to save my money for bigger and better things. And I never thought that saved money would be the investment opportunity into building a brand out of myself. So there you have it. That's my DUI story. That's how I got back into e-commerce. That's how the doors opened to dancing I hope you enjoyed that story. I hope it inspired you. If you're going through something tough right now, it's making you stronger. I'm not sure how to end this one. It's kind of bittersweet. (laughs) Would I have done anything differently? No. If I didn't end up in the strip club, I would have never encountered my future husband So that's definitely another thing that came out of it. Would I have learned, had this not happened, would I have learned all the lessons I needed to learn? No, I wouldn't have. I I grew at an exponential rate because of the situations that were happening to me and me learning from my mistakes, from others' mistakes. So... Now, when I look back on it, and instead of thinking, oh, that my DUI was the worst thing that ever happened to me, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I don't regret it. And to the school that wouldn't let me graduate, I think you need to reevaluate your Christian values, because apparently I heard that Christians are forgiving and loving and non-judgmental, so... Shame on you guys. <laughs> Get your shit together, okay? <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I'll see you guys next time. If you enjoyed today's episode, please let me know. Follow us on social media at Slutrepreneur. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Come say hi. You can also write in questions, slutty stories, or reach out to be our next sponsor by emailing us at slutrepreneurpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget, every time you or your friends leave a five-star review on iTunes, a unicorn has an orgasm.